Hi, I'm Anna Rosa Parker. And I'm Daniel Lamb, and this is Artist Inclusive, the podcast for ambitious artists who want to find clarity, community, and creative success. Today on the Artist Inclusive Podcast, our guest is Jill Wise. Jill is a brand and marketing strategist, conversion copywriter, and business coach. Yes, that's a lot of titles, but she's worked with and taught hundreds of entrepreneurs, spent over 10,000 hours perfecting her craft, and has developed a proven framework that gets people like you, aka artists and business owners, real results online. Hey, Jill, welcome on. We're so glad to have you with us today. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited to have you and and talk about all things Jill world. (laughs) I was just looking forward to talking to both of you all day. Oh, (laughs) so for for the folks who are listening who don't know who you are, Jill, could you just give us a little bit of a brief overview and talk a little bit about who you are, what you do, and just the basics of like, what is a Jill? What does Jill do? What is a Jill? Jill is a little weird. And has always been a little weird, but found a way to make money off of that weirdness. So it kind of works. Officially, I'm a brand and marketing strategist, business coach and conversion copywriter, and I help other women make good money online. It's really fun for me. I'll just light up when they actually do well. So that's kind of my mission. Is that a good summary to start? Yeah, yeah great. no, that's that's 100%. I'm like, how can I make my weird profitable? Because there's no yeah. doubt in my mind that I'm quite weird. And every woman who's listened to this is like, oh, how can that deal person help me make money online? I think that everybody can make money off of their weirdness if they look at it, right? Right? Like the weirdness is just being different and different stands out. Yeah. And we're all different. Just got to own it. Just got to own it. That's the beginning. How do you own it? It's a work in progress. Honestly, I feel like I'm growing up in public right now. It's kind of weird. It feels scary some days. Just trying to like not hold back on how I would actually be in person. And like, if you guys were hanging out with me in my house right now, just trying to make real life go online. And I think that's why I like being on podcasts with people like you, because we can have like more in-depth conversations and the quirks can come out and you get to know people a lot better. Yeah. I mean, it's been so interesting, this whole online world that we live in now and how maybe it's weird that it's not weird, how normal and it has become just like... I'm hanging out with so-and-so and and it doesn't mean that you're seeing them in person. We just start to say that now, like, yeah, Yeah. meeting up with Jill later for a happy hour and that's online. Yeah. (laughs) We're having happy hour in our office. Like it's great. Yeah. So do you want to tell us a little bit like about your background, you know, with the writing? I I feel like I heard that you wanted to be a writer, you know, like that Carrie Bradshaw kind of idea, like a lifestyle or editor or something like that. Do you want to tell us the story like a little bit? Yeah, like I didn't, I didn't really have a super clear vision. I graduated from university and my husband was my boyfriend at the time and he decided to move to Montreal. So obviously I followed him and I don't speak French and he does. So I had a really hard time making money there, like getting a job there. So I had this vision that I was going to start writing because I studied English and philosophy. That's all I really knew how to do. And it would just become this magical Carrie Bradshaw life living in a cool city with my cute boyfriend. But it didn't go like that. I ended up making basically pennies and flipping falafels as the head chef at a vegan restaurant, which is a lot of heating up things and blending smoothies. But I managed to get a better job writing and then a better job writing. And then eventually we moved away from Montreal so I could have an easier go at it. And it all kind of snowballed from there. You moved from Montreal so you would have an easier go at, at writing? 
It's like you moved from the city because of like competition or like, can you tell us about that? It was because I didn't know that the whole online world existed. So all of my jobs that I was getting were because of like paper, like print publications that I saw and I was pitching to them and they don't pay that well. It was a lot of journalism, lifestyle blogging, but there was like very few English speaking ones in the city. So then there was a lot of competition so they could get a lot of writers for free. I didn't have Instagram for business. I didn't have a website. I didn't have anything. So I didn't know where to start. So we we left for that reason. And also my husband really wanted to go test out Alberta and the Rocky Mountains for a while. So we went out there and that's when I started getting better paying jobs because I still did the same thing, like what's what's around me, but they were a little bit better paying. And then eventually one of my magazine editors, he had a branding agency too, and he started giving me copywriting jobs. And when I was doing well at them, he was like, hey, Jill, did you know that you're a copywriter? And I Googled what a copywriter was. Yeah, that's how you fell into it. I know I love hearing all these stories, how like copywriting is one of these professions that people just like fall into or, you know, all of a sudden they're doing it and they realize afterwards or something like that. But now that's like working for you really well, right? Yeah, things are things are working really well. And my business has continued to evolve and grow and it's really cool. It's really cool like looking back. There's been a few times recently where I'm sitting in my office with my husband and he's pointed out how far I've come from crying at our kitchen table that we got for free on Kijiji and from making $25 to write 500 words. Like that is not what my business looks like at all now. And I have my office and like we have a house and it's thriving and growing and it just it's really cool. So I was wondering, Jill, you mentioned you were the head chef at a vegan restaurant. <laughs> yeah. How did, I knew you, would go back to how that. did you, how did you become a head chef? Were, did you train as a, in the culinary arts at all? I mean, how did you get into, into cooking? That sounds like a really cool side story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's where it's funny because I'm actually not that great at cooking. It was a lot of painting up stuff. I worked for 10 years in the service industry, starting when I was 15. And it was usually serving and bartending and even like becoming a supervisor. And I thought I was going to be on a management role, fast track, become a lifer in that industry. But when I moved to Montreal, they actually have something called the language police where you like you have to speak English or you have to speak French. You can't speak English if you're in the front of the house. So I couldn't get a serving job. So they put me in the kitchen washing dishes and then somebody else quit. So I got to heat up some stuff instead. And then somebody else quit. So I became the head chef um, <laughs> with a green hat that had a panther paw print on it. And it was literally a lot like I was frying falafels, heating up tempeh and tofu and blending smoothies. That was it. That's, That's cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I, thought think, it was- I think Daniel is very fascinated by the title, Head Chef, too, that you were that. Oh, it was it was very much a joke. Like <laughs> I don't know how they I think I was just the only person there. And like I'm a hard worker, but I'm not a good cook. So it's a good thing I didn't have to actually mix anything. Yeah, it <laughs> seems like vegan cooking would either be like you said, like very simple and like heating stuff up or very complex and like like because I've seen some of those vegan dishes that are like really, really ornate. And I'm like, how do they do that? It's just pureed <laughs> tomato. I don't know what it is. It, it was also like a like a salad and sandwich bar kind of place. And they had like a few locations in the city. So they had like the actual headquarters that would make all the food and then ship it out to us. And then the head chef's at the restaurants would air quotes head chefs would heat the stuff up (laughs) (laughs) we're just going to talk about your falafel business no i love falafel still so that's a good thing yeah no i'm just so curious about like how you started your own online business like what was that 
you know, how did you pivot to that? Because you're still writing for other people. And then the editor that you work with who owns the branding agency said, you know, you're a copywriter. Then like what happens when you have that? How did you build your business from scratch? Yeah. So I was freelancing and then because we were in Calgary, I could serve again. So I was bartending and serving instead and on the side. And then I'm the kind of person who I like getting papers on my wall. So I was like, oh, if I'm a copywriter, I only have an English degree, I better go back and study marketing. So I went back to university, studied marketing. It was online. So I was doing school and getting freelance jobs on the side and serving. But I was really lucky in that I could do like the Thursday to Saturday shift and do doubles on those days. So I could pack it all in and then do business and school the, the like Monday to Wednesday. But it was just like finding one thing and then finding another thing and like building myself a website. And then I started posting on Instagram and was like, oh, well, this is weird. People are liking it when I tell stories on Instagram. Look at that. People go click to my website when I tell them to click to my website. Weird. So I just started getting a better job and a better job. And then once I finished that marketing schooling, I shortly afterwards, we decided to move back to our hometown of London, Ontario. And I just went all in like I came back with zero clients, but I was like, I'm not getting another job. This is this is it. I'm going full time. I'm going to figure it out. And I did. And so since then, my business has like doubled year over year. And that's really cool. That's so cool. That's so great. And I'm so curious about, you know, I'm one of those people on Instagram, like I love Instagram when I have time for it. And when I don't, I just like I'm, I'm all or nothing. And I obviously haven't built out the whole content calendar. I mean, I've tried it for a little bit, but not like it doesn't stick with me somehow. So why don't you because I know we all have to do it, like we have to be on some kind of a platform if we're marketing ourselves, right? You know, your Instagram, like we do want to tell us a little bit, like if somebody wants to start putting something on Instagram, because I know a lot of people are kind of intimidated by it. Like what's what's kind of like a simple DIY thing to do to show up a little bit, you know, like a medium presence? Yeah, I would say that you just have to make a plan that works for you and stick to it. So you don't have to post every day. You don't have to do X, Y, and Z things. You just have to do something that's consistent and regular for you that you can actually maintain. There's no point in posting every single day for seven days if you're not going to post again for two months. That would be mm -hmm. fair if you could space those out and maybe just do two posts a week for a couple months and then maybe you can up it. Obviously, the more you put in, the more you get back. That's how the algorithms work. But just starting with whatever you can fit into your schedule consistently. When I first started learning about it and really going all in as that is my marketing channel, I posted every single day for a year without fail. That was tiring, but I learned so much in that time by like setting that challenge for myself and my account grew the most in that time. And since then, I've toned it down because there's so many other things going on in my business. And I'm still mostly a one woman show. Like I have some contractors helping with certain things, but I do a lot of the work. I don't have anyone on retainer or anything. I've paired it back to be a bit more strategic to what actually fits into my schedule right now. But I learned a lot in that time. And I'm glad that I did that. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, it's like it's, yeah, whatever works for you. I'm just so like curious, like if people are not thinking in that nonlinear way of thinking, like not thinking that Instagram is actually like could be a, your marketing tool. And but it's really just you have to make it that I think too. To yeah. stick with it, right? Yeah, when you're consistent. And there's tons of artist communities and creative communities online. And you don't have to look for people that are the exact same as you. Like you can still learn from other creators and in different industries. And like the community is a massive part of it. Getting referrals from community people rather than maybe looking for ideal clients. Or I looked at it as like a creative outlet at first. Like I didn't really know how to take good pictures. I was okay. I got a camera for back when I was doing like the journalism kind of blogging kind of stuff. But 
with Instagram, I actually got Lightroom and learned my way around my camera properly so that I had this other skill to add into what I was doing. And I thought it was fun at the same time as business growth. There's so many other benefits to it. And it's just being able to be consistent. And if you're not going to be consistent, then don't do it. Do something else, right? But if you think you can carve out that time, then I've seen a lot of growth from it. I like that, you know, it's about the community too. Like, you know, whatever community you built, it doesn't have to be in your own profession necessarily, right? Yeah, because people might like notice you and then they send you off to somebody else when they need that person, right? Because you've built those relationships with them. So I was wondering if we could maybe dive a little bit more into Instagram. When you were doing this year of posting daily, what sort of types of content were you creating? Were you talking about writing or were you doing lifestyle content about whatever was going on? Can you talk a little bit about sort of what you were making at that time? Yeah, I think it was a mix. So I've never been one to just do tips. Like everybody when they're, especially if they're trying to start a business, they're like, Hey, let's give you five tips for X or six tips for Y. And everybody's doing that. So it doesn't really stand out. So while I might have done that sometimes that was on the lower end of the balance. And I did a lot more stuff like my personal thoughts or like what I was doing that day, like insights and behind the scenes and maybe a little bit more lifestyle stuff, but that's because that way I could actually connect with people, right? Like they can connect to you and your personality and your weirdness better that way than if you are just giving like spewing out tips that everybody else is spewing out too. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That makes so much sense. Yeah. And like you would connect with them over anything, food or, you know, any kind of lifestyle, you know, working out or something like that. Yeah. Like a lot of my clients, because a lot of them are women, a lot of them work in the wellness space. They don't have to, but they're also female entrepreneurs, right? So they Mm -hmm. are into personal development and they're really driven. And so they resonate a lot with the content that I put out now, especially that's like, I work hard and I play hard and I work out I try to work out daily and I will have green juice and red wine, like that balance. And just talking about how I'm trying to better myself all the time, that resonates with them. So then I've, I know that those topics I've strategically chosen them so that they will resonate with those people, but they're also pieces of me. That's so good. And you know, whatever it is, as long as it's authentic too, right? Yeah. Like it's so much easier to show up as yourself than to try to fit into boxes. We don't like boxes here. (laughs) We're a non-box community. (laughs) I'm here for that. Yeah, we spend a lot of time outside the box. The box is like, you know, somewhere else. We're not there. I mean, like, I like, I sometimes like boxes, but only ones that I've made. Yeah, those are you made. Well, we actually say like, because artists really think outside the box. So we actually decided, let's think inside the box just to find that kind of focus to narrow in a little bit and just to foster kind of clarity in a way. So, you know, you're, you're doing Instagram and that you start to get clients there. Like, how do you, how do you connect with, is that how you get most of your clients on um, Instagram? Back then, a lot of them were coming from Instagram. Now, just because I've been in business for a lot longer, like I'm getting more referrals. People are starting to find me through my website, SEO is working. So that kind of thing. But Back then, a lot of them came from Instagram and something was interesting that a lot of them didn't actually follow me. They would find me there and validate me there and then go to my website. Okay. It's just a lesson in that you never know who's watching. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I know. There are a lot of lurkers out there, aren't there? (laughs) Yeah. Because they would say that they found me on Instagram and I would look and they weren't following me. So it's, they're just silently stalking until they're ready for you, right? I think there's a lot of that if you're non-private. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind, but that was, that was definitely a lesson that like, you don't, it's not about your follower counts. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, speaking of that, I know like 
because we we all met in a community in the mastermind for copywriters and building copywriting business. And we've heard you talk about, you know, you're a very disciplined person and you have, you know, a certain calendar and you're very like strict with yourself and discipline. And I know like a lot of us could learn a little bit and, you know, find maybe a, a new method to adopt or just be inspired by yours if you want to share a little bit about your your, your discipline. I'm like, where do I start? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that like the preface to all of it is that I'm not like special in this way. And I, I have to be disciplined in order to thrive. And I think that's because I have that creative side of me that doesn't like boxes. And I will become that typical starving artist if I don't have that discipline, like that's happened before. So I know that if I follow these rules that I've set for myself, then I'm a better person at the end of the day. It's not so much like a Like everybody says, oh, you need to wake up at 5 a.m. if you want to be successful. I wake up at 5 a.m., but not because everybody else says so. I wake up at 5 a.m. because if I sleep any later, then self-sabotage continues through the rest of the day. So I need to make sure that I'm waking up at that time and hitting everything. And that makes me happy in order to keep going forward. So I think that's an important preface. Definitely. Yeah, we're just so curious about your whole, like you have a system that is like really impressive. Let's talk about, you know, Jill's day, like when she wakes up and what happens at five o'clock. Yeah, so at five o'clock, my alarm goes off. Sometimes I'll snooze it until five after, but usually my dog doesn't let me because he hears that it's gone (laughs) off and he's like, okay, we're going to get up now. So I take care of him and make coffee Always chug water while waiting for coffee because you got to make sure that you're hydrated first, right? I know, I know Anna will get me on that one. And I try to make sure that I have an hour of like quiet time. Like I might post on my Instagram stories because people like that behind the scenes stuff and they're kind of nosy, right? So I will, I will do it, (laughs) but I try to avoid answering messages or I don't go into my emails and I try to have an hour of quiet time, whatever I feel like doing, whether that's like reading or writing or doing yoga or just sitting there, but it's like my space before people need stuff from me. And then I love that. I start work around six and by nine or 10 a.m. most of my focus work is done for the day. And I feel like I'm on top of the world because I'm like checking stuff off before most people have woken up. And then I find I just get really distracted in the afternoon too. Right. And it's like a different kind of energy. So I know that I do my best work in the morning, which is why I've intentionally scheduled it in that time. Like if I sleep in one day, say I sleep in until nine, I'm not going to do the best possible work that I can do because I'm, I'm feel behind in the day already. But when I'm doing this, then it's like I'm on my game. Then I usually work out around 10 or 11am and have breakfast. And then I'll in the afternoon, I either have meetings, or those are just on a few days a week, or I'll do like coffee chats with people in our groups or any like admin work, or if I'm going to take photos, like content creation that way, anything that's a little bit more active and moving around, I have a really hard, hard, hard time writing in the afternoon. I can do like planning and stuff, but not like focused rate of creative writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you do that like between six and nine in the morning, you do all your writing then. And, and I can write so much in that time. It's amazing when you put yourself into boxes, mm-hmm. what you can do. Self-imposed yeah. boxes are okay. Yeah. No, I love that. And so it's always so inspiring, you know, to to listen to people that have figured out their schedule like that. And, and it comes from actual like self-love and respect. Yeah, it, it was a lot of self-awareness and a lot of work to figure it out. But then once I did figure it out, then I could intentionally build my business around that. So like I'll book work based off of those time blocks. I know how much work I can take on and I've kind of 
systemized all of the things and structured all of the things. And a really cool thing is that I really want Fridays off like for the rest of my life. And I thought that was a, a lot longer out, but I've actually been getting it the last like oh. couple months or so. Sometimes I might have to work late on Thursday to make it happen, but that's what structure can do for you. I love that. Oh my God. It's just four day a week. Yeah. So you talked about, about scheduling and I think that that leads into boundaries because like if you are taking off Fridays, that means that you have to have certain things in place, right? So how do you communicate that with like the people that you work with and clients and set those expectations with people so that you're able to keep those boundaries solid? My contracts are now 14 pages long and they have an entire page dedicated to communication. So, so that's a good start. But I find that a lot of it just comes from mutual respect. Like when my clients see me taking Fridays off, they're like, go you. That's great. They tell me that I should do that more often when I was just getting started doing it. Like they, they see how hard I work for myself and for them. And like, nobody's ever had an issue about it. I've literally, I get so many emails like, good, you're taking the day off versus why are you taking the day off? But I've also structured like the days of my week so that they know what days I'm mostly working on their stuff. And Fridays are always usually always catch up or on the business. Mm -hmm. So like, it's not going to disrupt their flow anyways, because I wasn't planning on working on their stuff anyways. And it kind of depends on the day and like what I'm doing. I might not put an auto out of office reply because I know I'm going to be just hanging out around the house anyways. So I'll check my emails a couple of times in case anything comes up. But if I know I actually have something planned and I'm going to go away, then I will put that reply on. And yeah, no one ever has a problem. People, I think if you set boundaries with clients from the beginning and you show them how much you're willing to give them and you show them how these boundaries benefit you and them, then it's a lot easier because there's this mutual respect from the beginning. Yeah. I think just like in the artist community, I know like with my background in theater, there's this thing like you're always afraid of being fired or like let go because somebody weren't available that day. So we kind of over compromise in a way. And that, it took me a while to to work on that. I think I still am not to just like jump in. Okay, sure, you know, like now in my business, like how many revision am I going to give them? Or just you know, like building those boundaries is taking me a while coming from that kind of a background because we're always overcompromising. I think. Oh yeah, it's so hard. You, yeah, right. I was like that too. Like when I was starting out freelancing, journalism was kind of the same thing, right? Like I would say yes to everything, even if I didn't actually have the time for it. But when mm-hmm. you start replacing those people that don't respect you or don't pay you well with better paying clients. And if you can put yourself into those boxes and that structure to make that happen and actually learn how to leverage like the skills that you have in maybe different ways than you originally imagined, then you can shift into that. Like I'm a business owner and I have something that I'm bringing to the table rather than freelancer or starving artist just trying to get get by right so i think it's a lot yeah. of a mindset shift yeah 100 percent. i mean i get about six now but i'm like five is a little it's a little steep but do you also get on five on weekends also because you know like if you get up at kind of the same time ish you can't get up at five and then ten how do you like when do you get up on weekends whenever i want yeah <laughs> i mean do you wake up or like do you have to set like we naturally wake up fairly early like I don't usually sleep past nine that's weird if I do our dog won't let us sleep past like 7 30 but like waking up early anyways and Mm -hmm. yeah I just I don't set an alarm on weekends in the same way so I'm not like holding myself any to any specific schedule but it's just kind of like a natural depends on how late we were out the night before you know patio season how much wine you had yeah yeah it'll probably be up by around 7 30 or 8 30 anyways yeah, yeah, yeah. It is like that when you start to wake up early, you can't just like all of a sudden sleep in to like 10. It doesn't, it kind of doesn't work 
I'd rather not. Like there's so many fun things that you could be doing instead of sleeping. That's true. That's very true. Can I share something a little bit nerdy with you guys? Yeah. Sometimes when I'm getting ready for bed, I will be secretly excited about next day's coffee. It's just <laughs> a random, it's a random feeling. I feel like there should be a German word for that. It's like super long and really specific, but yeah, because I, I like to do a like pour over every morning. And so just a coffee snob like that. But anyway, I like another, the pour overs too. Another vote for getting up early and enjoying yeah. morning time. It's a special time. Yeah. Especially on the weekends. Like there's things to do. I don't know. We go to the markets a lot. We go for bike rides and like walk our dog around the city for literally hours, just wandering around <laughs> looking at stuff. So, so many fun mm -hmm. things you can do. Yeah, of course. But as long as you're not too excited about your morning coffee that you cannot sleep. I mean, that's a different, you know, I, I'm such a like, I, I start to work in my head if I'm working on something that is urgent or if I have a new client, I, it takes over sometimes and, and interrupt my sleep. I don't know if that's, uh, this is me or you guys, you guys just sleep like babies every night. No, I don't sleep very well either, but <laughs> that's a story for a different day. <laughs> It's a different podcast. I sleep like a baby. I'm not going to lie. I can kind of go to sleep on command. It's a talent. <laughs> but yeah, once I'm awake, I'm awake. And I'm full of energy and anxious thoughts. Classic. Good times. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Jill. Thanks so much for being on the show. What are you working on right now? And where can people connect with you? Well, I'm working on continuing to work on my new branding and new website and getting all that out with some new offers. That's what Anna and I are going to keep talking about afterwards. I'm really excited about it. Um, and people can find me online. I'm Words by Jill everywhere for the time being, but that's a hint too. Wordsbyjill.com, Wordsbyjill on Instagram. I'd say Instagram's probably the fastest place that you can get a hold of me. I reply to DMs every day. Very, very cool. What a great chat with Jill, huh, Anna? I mean, like, I'm really glad we had her on. Of course, we get to spend a lot of time with her over in the think tank, but it was really good to kind of dig into how she has really built a business for herself and been able to come out of things like low paying restaurant work and struggling to find freelance writing gigs to really thriving and really cool business. I mean, I love her brand image. I know she's always like hanging out and having a glass of wine and looking cool. I, I, I aspire to be that cool. I'm afraid that I'll never, probably never achieve that level of coolness, but you know, that's okay. I'm a big nerd and everybody knows it. But the, the really the coolest thing about talking to Jill, other than just her story and her journey is just the amount of self-discipline and structure she's been able to create for herself through scheduling and experimentation. You know, we've talked about this before on the podcast about the value of figuring out what works with you. And I, I think that this is probably a point that we can't stress enough as, you know, as we, as we work with other artists and performers, like creating a life of consistency, self-discipline is actually not a limitation. It's a key to freedom. Yeah. And that's exactly what she has done by finding her rituals and, and, and tactics. And we talk about that quite a bit here. I feel like this is definitely a topic is about, well, especially because we're, we're freelancers or, you know, who, who we work for ourselves. And Jill has really nailed that down. What works for her and what doesn't, when her focus time for writing is and down to extending, you know, her weekends and getting up 
early on weekends and there's so much she loves to have fun and she talks about working hard and playing hard and I'm just yeah I'm very impressed by her and and how she's figuring out how she has figured it out at such a young age too and like you said she has a thriving business and coming from <laughs> flipping falafels and, and and getting 40 bucks for an article or something like that she's she's done really well for herself and there's a lot to learn from her for you know it doesn't matter what business you're in but just really figuring it out what works for you and following that and and making it consistent because it's always about consistency yeah it is and you know i think the other thing that at least the other thing that's helped me and i think one of the things that we're starting to see in artist inclusive is just like it's not just consistency and self-discipline, but it's also help from other people and accountability and clarity. Because, you know, the, the one thing that you, I and Jill all have in common is that, you know, we, we do work with mentors and coaches and we haven't talked a lot about that yet here on the podcast, but, you know, having, mm-hmm. having a, a voice of reason and having someone who is successful and who's actually enjoying their life at the same time, because we can so get caught up in the trap of, you know, overwork or monotony, but having examples of people who are doing it well, you know, from all angles is really refreshing, Mm -hmm. you know, regardless of age or time in business. But yeah, I wish that I was, you know, still that age and also thriving. (laughs) I'm I'm pretty, I'm pretty inspired by that, but I'm also glad I'm finding it now. Yeah. I mean, we're all working different ways and, you know, I've had to try a couple of different careers before I found what I'm doing today, but it is, it's really what I take from Jill. I think the most is just having fun along the way, because I think as human beings, we sometimes say like, Oh, I'll have fun or, you know, I do it when I get to X, Y, and C place. But she is really implementing having fun every day along the way in her business, not just like, you know, she doesn't compartmentalize work and life in, a, in that way that she has fun along the way throughout the whole thing while building and, and just living her life. That's something I've learned from Linda Perry, too, is that that idea of not mortgaging my happiness on something that happens in the future. Because mm-hmm. if that, that idea of I can relax when, or I'll be happy when, or I'll be successful when, mm-hmm. the, the, the truth of the matter is wh- wherever we think that spot is, it's always going to be someplace further out in the future. Like say, you know, you'll be happy when you hit 5k a month or 10k a month. You hit that number and you're like, okay, what's next? The feeling isn't what you think, right? Like Jim Carrey, for instance, you know, a lot of his interviews are, you know, his advice to people is success doesn't equal happiness. Of right. course, it's valuable to be successful, but it's it's an inside job, happiness, you know, and it is yeah. a, a sort of a self-discipline and orienting ourselves to being present. Absolutely. Yeah, that's it. It's our job to be happy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> The Artist Inclusive Podcast is brought to you by the Artist Inclusive Facebook group and artistinclusive.com. Learn more about Artist Inclusive at our website or join our free Facebook group. If you enjoyed what you heard here today, please consider giving us a rating on Apple Podcasts and share this message with somebody that you think would enjoy this podcast. This is how you're able to reach more engaged and impactful artists just like you.